I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. It's 1972, the album, Monty Python's previous record, the artist Monty Python, and my guest is Brian Husky. Thank you so much for being here. My don't God. you edit that out. Really? Don't, don't ask me, like, stumbling because I can't breathe? Okay, you gotta that's... keep it real. No, there's very little oxygen in here. Uh-huh, that's, that's yeah, no, well, you mentioned a second ago, we're recording in an airplane hangar, that's why you can hear a fan in the background. Yeah, that's, yeah, we're, we, I just flew in on my jet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, your private jet. Right. Your private Brian Husky jet. And so, uh, that's what, uh... This microphone is just falling on you. This is just a real bang-up job I'm it's, doing. It's a, uh, you know, it's modern podcasting. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. is. It's DIY. Uh-huh. That is, that's one way to call what this is. Uh-huh. Um, I also, you know, I feel like you're the only other person who's been on the show who is in this album. I'm fairly certain. The He's Bob pointing Burger's to album. the Bob's Burger music album. Mm-hmm. He he pointed at it yep. thinking that you guys could see they him. They knew. They yeah, knew they knew. They, they knew which part of the room you were pointing This to. kind of shit happens on the show all the time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, Who's the other guest? Uh, Lauren Bouchard. Oh, cool. So, you know, uh, that counts. Yeah. You know, nice. I mean, his uh, is his voice on there? Yes, his voice is on a few of those songs. Oh, he does a bunch of Right. Like I, I forget. I, I didn't ask him specifically. That was a good, that was a good episode. Yeah. Um, so you, you did pick this and Eddie Murphy's, one of Eddie Murphy's albums, his first one, right? Yeah, because I, you sort of said like, you know, choose some, choose an album. And at that time, mm-hmm. those were sort of the two... I chose them because, one, I remember the Eddie Murphy album being a younger version of me. Maybe, I'm trying to think, maybe that was like eighth grade or something, but that kind of like middle school, insane, abandoned laughter that you have with your friends. I get friends, that, sure, you know, sure. Where just the dumbest bits. I mean, if you listen to that that uh, Eddie Murphy album, it is not great stand-up. Uh-uh, right. But he sells the crap out of these very simple jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just one of the one of the jokes that stuck out to me was where, where um, and I and I said this to you is like I I don't go very deep because my it's memory fine. of everything is only like ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. But the bit where uh, someone's falling down the steps and is like, and he goes, "Oh my shoe!" That part, my friend and I used to quote it all the time. And I see that with my daughter now. There'll be like a funny thing that happens, and it becomes like a running bit. Of course, yeah. And just that is one of my favorite things in life. You know, so that one had you know we'd sing "Boogie in Your Butt." Of course, and that one and screaming for the ice cream truck. Yeah, just you know, not great stuff, but just like he just delivered it and it was so great do you think it's it is sheer lack of memory as we get older that makes us like constantly searching for that moment again because when you're a kid it feels like you have a running joke that goes through you got maybe a solid two or three years but when you're older Mm -hmm. it's like this i'm improvising today so i've got a solid five minutes i might remember that thing i think when you're yeah i think you're in your kid you the the amount of brain space you have is yourself mm-hmm. and the things that you are bringing into your brain mm-hmm. as you get older than responsibility yeah. i mean i will say 40 percent of my brain is on my kid and maintaining that uh-huh. stuff so yeah so it's a, it gets a little tougher to sort of have and then but i do think some people are kind of encyclopedic about those things yeah people will come on here and like absolutely embarrass me like just how yeah. much they expect me to remember because they've remembered so much yeah and yeah. that's yeah no that doesn't happen i mean i've got this many albums here and i've only listened to about a quarter of them yeah you know oh, i'm the opposite i'm sort of like it the there have been a couple of uh interview things where they've been like find your favorite thing from the past and uh-huh. i was like i don't i don't yeah. remember them yeah <laughs> But that's fine. I yeah. mean, it's it's a, you you move on, you get your influence, and you and you keep going, and you absorb it more than like obsess over what that thing was, right? I mean, it right. just kind of becomes a part of, I assume, a part of you or a part of your performance or something. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely. I mean, it in, inspired me, and I kind of folded some of that stuff into mm-hmm. it. Um, so going back to what we were saying, like I chose the other album, uh, Monty Python's previous record, because uh, in ninth grade I discovered. Monty Python on PBS mm-hmm. and that just cracked my head open you know it just blew my mind yeah around the same time I was reading um Woody Allen had this collection of uh, essays and short stories oh, yeah. you know without feathers mm-hmm. and, um 
and I was reading those things, and they were both just these other ends of sort of like what can be done with comedy mm-hmm. that just was amazing to me. So these nonsensical, bizarre snippets, you know, it's almost like these little early gifts, some of them, yeah. just little sound bites and mm-hmm. stuff, um, were just so crazy to me mm-hmm. and so exciting you know did you buy this album on your own after watching the show a ton or what's yeah i think i came across it at um milestone records mm-hmm. in charlotte north carolina that i used bin and um i was like yeah i should get this mm-hmm. i should definitely get this record uh i don't think i listened to it right away though for some reason i think i bought it and kind of i was almost like gearing up to it okay i don't know why i got Uh, that yeah and then i remember playing it for um not a a close friend but like a oh this guy's cool did it and played some of it for him he just didn't get it no interest did not strike that was my next question was so did you make any friends over monty python or was it exclusively a brian thing no no my Mm -hmm. friend tim and Bo, Mm -hmm. um we were always just quoting my python okay it was all like yeah my friend Larry, like, we were all just, like, nerds for it. Was it a thing where, like, did you see this thing on PBS last night? Or did you say, I saw this thing on PBS and somebody introduced, you introduced it to somebody else? Do you know? Um, it's a very specific thing to ask. I think, well, you know, around that time also was uh, Life of Brian came out. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, some of the best publicity was all the protests <laughs> that they got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, this is evil and bad and stuff. And I was like, oh, <laughs> bad comedy this seems cool and they're british too right would you have been allowed to go see that as a kid though no i would have had to sneak in yeah yeah and i didn't really the only movie i tried to sneak into was uh uh heavy metal Uh uh-huh uh-huh and uh we got busted (laughs) oh did you yeah Uh they just were like the guy found us around the side he's like don't try just go away please (laughs) and we were like okay (laughs) didn't get in trouble just like i can't be bothered just get out of here i love though that as a kid you were reading a book of comedic essays that's a sign mm-hmm. of a real friggin nerd like i mean you know that's kind of great yeah yeah i mean it's it's interesting like what i you know i see the world so much like through my kids experience mm-hmm. now and i compare like what she has access to and what she's been given as because she's funny mm-hmm. you know and uh, and it's so different like seeking seeking things out is so different now i I feel like things are thrust upon you more than you kind of notice in your periphery Mm -hmm. um i'm not saying one is better than the other but it's just a different experience is it mostly youtube stuff for her if she's that age youtube and netflix like i was very proud that she on her own started she's 11 Mm -hmm. she wanted to watch the office all right and uh, then then Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. and then recently she started watching um, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Okay, Unbreakable Kimmy. Schmidt. Holy crap! So I was like, okay. yeah, because she sent me like a uh, she took a picture of one of the episodes and it's Martin Short as that horrible <laughs> um, plastic surgeon. Uh-huh. And uh, and I thought it was Thirty Rock. I was like, Oh, are you watching Thirty Rock? I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and she was like, That's unbreakable, Kimmy Shin. It's like I'm still so proud of you. <laughs> Always so proud of you. Has she watched Parks and Rec? And if so, will you make her not watch episode one? No, we. Well, that was it. That was my mistake. <laughs> yeah. I I was like, Well, if you like The Office, you might like this. And we started watching it. And she's like, oh, I don't like this. And I was like, I kept saying the pilot's not great. Uh huh. The pilot it gets better. The yeah. pilot's not great. Maybe the first season's not great. But then uh-huh. it gets better. Yeah. Didn't. didn't. Oh. Yeah. That might be a desperation watch sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Would you would you flip past your character? I, I guess then would be my question. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it might take a little, <laughs> little explanation. That's some adjusting, too. Yeah, that's nobody needs to see that. Yeah, yeah. that's uncomfortable. That's so funny. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that is... was a weird part, because I got uh-huh. that after I'd sort of lost this part for some other... I did something for The Onion. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. And this these commercials I was doing... I was doing the, were had gotten some flack for the thing i'd done for the onion and so they were oh. like hey why don't you go away oh my and so God. i just had this thing of like am i always going to be like getting compromising jobs like, <laughs> oh, no going on? <laughs> always being in jeopardy uh, <laughs> that's a, so 
the onion stuff was that all shot out here? I'm curious now because like no, I don't that was know. in New York. It was in New York. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, why did I? That's think when it was... they were. Well, they relocated to New York. From oh, Chicago, from Chicago to. And New then York. they okay. relocated back to Chicago. Mm. And then I did some interviews, you know, in support of the special. Uh-huh. That we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point because you know why else would I? <laughs> uh-huh. um, but um, uh, I guess they're opening up some offices here too. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. So they shot that in New York. What was what? And I apologize, I haven't seen it. So what was oh. the character? What was so crazy controversial about it? Uh, it wasn't the care. It was oh, okay. the bit. It was the bit. It was okay. this thing that they did called In the Know. That was a fake sort of uh, pundit show. Oh yes. Okay. And so they would have like different topics. And this one was <laughs> the Iraq War is becoming is being made more handicap accessible <laughs> for soldiers, so they can keep fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a it was a critique of the Iraq War, how they kept extending the tours of duty. Yeah. So, uh, a well-meaning veteran with a blog saw it, misinterpreted the that it was making fun of them, okay. rather in support. Okay. That is the, uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the th- the fine line mm-hmm. of satire. Whoa, that's rough. Yeah. So that's all, all right. right. Yeah, yeah. Makes but, for a good couch story. Uh huh. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, have you, it's never easy to say, but it, can you think of anything from like a Monty Python bit that, or from Monty Python in general that you draw from? Like, is there anything that's like, oh, this inspired a certain part of my comedy? I, it's a very general question, but. I think one of the things that, that I liked or that affected me was the, was that idea of um, juxtaposition of, of, of sort of innate silliness with uh, authority, mm-hmm. you know, or um, uh, if you're going to embrace innate silliness, you have to sort of like commit to the the character and not be commenting on it. Right. Um, even though they're very sketchy in their, you know, their sketches and stuff, they were, they played them so committedly, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was just a thing of, I was like, oh, these adults are being idiots. <laughs> and it was also, I think a big thing was like permission. That you got to give yes. yourself permission to just put something out there that on paper or in your head or mentioning it to somebody else, they'd be like, what are you talking about? But in execution, mm-hmm. it you know it comes to life right and i think that's a lot of art stuff you know mm-hmm. like the idea of like so wait you want to wrap an island in pink uh-huh and crystal goes yes and then you do it and you're like oh i get it that's cool uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you made it happen you stuck to your freaking guns yeah yeah, yeah. that's a really good point I, i've never heard crystal compared to a comedian but now now it's that's that's a I was, you know, I, I was thinking about that today and especially with like monty python mm-hmm like a lot of art and artists are like the biggest comedians possible like mm-hmm. like Marcel Duchamp taking a toilet and putting it <laughs> in the gallery and saying no this is art yeah this is art yeah is a is such a kind of like <laughs> anarchic fuck you to sure. sort of like the pretense of it mm-hmm. and and sort of saying like this is what we what we make it and yeah. we can keep sort of messing with the form mm-hmm. and uh i think that's a great you know, that's one of my favorite things about comedy is like it, it, you have a tradition and you sort of have all these different routes and roads and, and, and approaches you can do with it. But, you know, it's, it is comparable. Like Andy Kaufman is com- comparable to Duchamp in that regard. Right. The stuff he did, people mm-hmm. were like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But the commitment to it and the execution of it, you end up being like, Okay, that did something to me. <laughs> yeah, and it's. I think it's Andy Kaufman is also equally probably polarizing to a lot of other artists too, because yeah. even among comedians, like I love him, but there's a. I don't think there's anything you could do to make me watch the documentary about Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman. Oh, no really? insult to him. Why? Because I feel like it looks like just him masturbating. That's <laughs> really Who, all. Jim I can, Carrey. Yeah, it just feels so masturbatory. Like uh, he was inside my brain. Though. Unless it's a bit, and in which case, now I'm curious. You know what I mean? Like that's when yeah. it becomes like, is it a fucking bit? But is it there... is a little. I mean, watching it, I was mm-hmm. sort of like, man, you would be a real bummer to work on that movie. With. Yeah. But the thing I liked about it mm-hmm. was 
as far as like from a performer's you know perspective he was able to sort of he was attracted to work where it was about him struggling with his identity in some regard sure he was always sort of he he played all these like extreme characters where you just kind of hide who he was you know mm -hmm. in living color and all this stuff and then other shows like truman show and um there's another one he spoke of but these other shows where oh eternal sunshine and spotless sure. mind yeah these things where he didn't seek these parts out but these different people saw something in him that was like oh there's something about this guy that is about the idea of identity and who is the person okay. and what is the mask that you have, you know, right. even that movie, the mask. Uh -huh. And so like him doing uh, the Sandy Kaufman thing, I think he, my take on it is that he was, he was so kind of screwed up and, and, and figuring that out that he went so hard into it as a way of going the other way, like going the opposite direction from himself. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm going to go so far into this, into this idea of a guy who goes so far into himself, mm -hmm. there's a little bit of an escape hatch, you know, because after okay. that, yep. he just, he quit and he started painting. Right. You know? Yeah. And it is, you know, may, masturbatory maybe, but it's like, I don't know. It, it That's the weirdest thing about performers and using yourself as your own sort of like brand, business, I, you know, all that stuff. You Once you do that, anything you do is going to be like, well, that it's intentional, but I think a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of the stuff you do is like, I didn't intend to sort of end up in this place sure. where I like, to yeah. see, you know? Right. And there's also, I'm not going to ever shit over shit or shit on the idea that he loves genuinely loves Andy Kaufman. Mm -hmm. I know that I know it. Oh, Oh, that's oh, oh, we're getting a call. Hey, I'm a, oh, we're getting a caller. Let's get in a caller. You're on line You're one. On. Yep. Hi. Hello. Thanks. Hello. Great. Motherfucker. I'm going <laughs> to throw this thing out the window. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't doubt that it comes from a place of absolute pure love. Uh, and I'm pulling up the track list, not just looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes from a place of love. And I mean, so I respect that. Yeah. I guess I was just, you, you're now making me want to watch it. Which, it's cool. Right, it's cool. I mean, right. you know, if you just sort of set, give it a shot. set aside the thing of, or just think in terms of like, wow, this guy was m maybe making a, uh, an artistic choice that, was so important to him mm -hmm. that and 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 was in homage homage to uh <laughs> kaufman mm -hmm. so much that it kind of you know got ahead of him yeah maybe i don't know well it also makes me think of because when you're saying you know uh, art, artists and, and comedians banksy also immediately comes to mind because the man's yep. got a sense of humor in everything he does totally. lighting and otherwise yeah. and the documentary that he did is painful and also hilarious to watch why is it painful uh just have you seen it yeah. yeah i think it's painful to watch uh mr brainwash and oh yeah, yeah. it's also at the same time incredibly endearing yeah. watching watching somebody be that possibly self-unaware yeah maybe yeah yeah i don't fucking know yeah you know and then if i if i don't know then i really can't you know you can't put it you can't then say oh i've got shit figured out if you don't know what's actually going on in that movie and you're not sure then i mean you can't be too pretentious about art anymore <laughs> yeah it's hard to have perspective on yourself it is you know it is yeah and, and i think the more outside sort of like stimulus or accountability you have uh to define it mm -hmm. i'm sure at a certain point you, the mythology that you're presenting is like yes this is true yeah and mr brainwash seemed like he just wanted to be an art star yeah yeah absolutely so. i'm curious if you've ever dug deep into so like really deep into a character or deep into a bit where you're like you maybe committed too hard maybe even if it's i just spent too much money on a prop for a thing because when you're <laughs> young i mean i've done that i still do it sometimes right you know like is there something where it's just where you dug too deep not too deep but so deep deeper than you expected to even if it's character work or if it's a personal commitment to a, a bit hmm trying to think i asked a difficult question <laughs> i don't think there's been anything that i've like like disappeared i mean i uh, this special that i have for adult swim mm -hmm. mr neighbor's house uh -huh. and then the new one mr neighbor's house too it's the material gets in, like in the second one it gets much darker uh -huh. um and i like that but i know a lot of people are uncomfortable with it sure um and i think 
I don't know. I don't, no, I don't think I've, I've. I don't think I've gone too far. Okay. You know, but I would say some people might perceive what I'm doing with this one is like, oh man, what, what are you doing? What? You know, <laughs> right. That uncomfortable. Like, oh man, your psyche's messed up. I was like, no, it's not. I'm right. just playing with the ideas around sort of like what's reality and insanity. Mm-hmm. So. Was this planned to be released around the same time as this, <laughs> the Mr. Rogers documentary? No. I love it. I it's love so it. That's crazy. a coincidence. It's amazing. It's like a, and there's also, speaking of Jim Carrey, there's that other, uh, so he's doing a Showtime uh, sh- drama series that's around, that's about a kid show host. I did not his, know that. Okay. Yeah. What the hell is going so on? So we were first, I will say that. Yes, that is Big absolutely time. true. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's just a zeitgeisty thing, mm-hmm. timing thing. I mean, if anything, it would be maybe... Uh, Adult Swim giving us the go-ahead and knowing it would take us about, you know, half a year to kind of get it all together and Mm -hmm. stuff. So maybe they're like, ah, perfect. Right. I don't know. That's amazing. I know. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Um, It's cool. Let's pull up. So this album, I always forget. So I, I feel like my first... The first albums that I was exposed to, there's a double CD set called um, The Complete Ripoff. Is that the name of it? Yes, I think so. And it's got a ton of what's on this record. Right. So Are You Embarrassed Easily is on there. There's a lot of Dennis Moore on here. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> Australian Table Wines. Uh, let's see. Fish License, Eric the Halfaby, of course. There's so much good stuff. Do you, uh, I don't know if you want to, if you want to flip through this, if there's any, again, because there's no track listing on the damn record, if there are any here that sort of stand out to you as particular favorites that you recall. I'm also going to grab the Eddie Murphy album because maybe, just maybe, I think I'm going to grab it. Oh, uh, well, Eric the Half a Bee was just a dumb song that just, uh, you know, I don't know why, like, the, the dumb songs, just my buddies and I would just love to have, like, I think it was sort of like the back of the room kind of little thing we could mutter to each other uh-huh, uh-huh. under our breath. Um, uh, what else? I'm guessing a bunch of this must have gone above your head, right? There's got to be at least some English references that are just like, I don't. But they said it fine. Yes. Radio Quiz Game was also really fun. Uh huh. Um, uh, And I think How to Do It, I feel like, was one that was. Yeah, I don't. It's funny, like, watching. I don't. uh, uh, Full disclosure, a lot of this stuff doesn't pop out. I think I just. It it just was like a, a whole thing. I get that. That. You would just like little bits of it, and I think like to to your point, like mm-hmm. as a kid, you just have like a line or a word or like yeah. a, a tone. Um, I was also like, I loved them being ladies. <laughs> of course, just like I was like, God, this is so satisfying. <laughs> it's, it's stupid. <laughs> it's such a like Milton Berle or kind of. Uh, oh yeah, you know, but like. A British version with a little more intelligence to it, and all basically the same voice every time, yeah. and the same stupid outfit yeah, every yeah. time they wore them. Yeah. Uh, so Eddie Murphy's first album, which, damn it, people are gonna hate me for this. I can never remember what special. This is called something else entirely. The special is called something else, but of course he's got the delightful boogie in, the, in your butt uh, yeah. outfit on the Just cover. I mean, Eddie Murphy. What, are you, what are you gonna he's do? He's got about a flower that? in his hair, it's a little flower, little no shirt, a leather. Um... A bow tie around mm-hmm. his neck, and then a sort of leatherette, eighties <laughs> leatherette jacket. Uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. know. <laughs> um, f- side one, first song. I mean, f- first first track, faggots. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that can be. That's that's one of these. One of those where boy. Yep. Yeah. And yep. Then, yeah. And then next up, buckwheat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, like so much of this stuff is like, well, this is not. This would not exist now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, black movie theaters. Mm-hmm. The bit is screaming back at the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking cars. I remember that one. I think, if I'm not mistaken, black movie theaters is also the one with the with the line "Get Out" in it, which then inspired the movie "Get Out." Oh, seriously? Yes. Oh, that's uh-huh. cool. Uh, Boogie in your butt. Myths slash a lot Chinese. I mean, there's. Uh huh. This album is super offensive. Uh huh. <laughs> and today we just would be like, what? No, uh-huh. sorry, your act is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit by a car. Um, and I think we gotta remember. I think he's nineteen or twenty here, which yeah. is the amazing part, though. Like yeah. it's like he's great for a twenty-year-old, and he holds an audience better together better than anybody of any age. Oh yeah, like that's Sinatra level. Like, yeah, oh. I've got the room pulled together. But yeah, you're right. The, yeah. the level of comedy is like okay. He's yeah, he's twenty. Yeah, he's twenty. And drinking fathers is another one of those things that's sort of oh, like that one's rough. Yeah, that's it's a, rough. It's an amazing one. It's like in the, in that regard of like. You're like, ha ha, that's uh, that, 
that's funny, but uh-huh. there's something behind it. Oh, yeah. you know. But for a lot of people, that someone in taking that experience and mm-hmm. kind of like distilling it down to a bunch of jokes was probably like so cathartic and great. I think so too. Like it's it's because you listen like, to some it, people might be like, "Wow, you're laughing really hard." Really at this. hard. What's, what's going on with mm-hmm. you, man? I, was like, I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like his commitment, and I think whenever his father character quote-unquote comes back in any of his other albums the commitment's so hard it's like yeah that that's he's scarred yeah like he's scarred yeah but he's doing a lot of good with it in terms of like you say like just making people yeah. laugh their asses off yeah i it didn't is... have an abusive alcoholic father but i listened to it and i'm like oh shit that's yeah it's really good yeah it's also really rough well it's interesting like you know richard pyre everybody knew his circumstances mm-hmm. and stuff and it's interesting to me that 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 thing that people do where if you can kind of get over the hump of I'm going to talk about this but it's going to be so funny that you're going to forget it, in a way what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to I'm going to paint a picture for you that's that's diffusing it and disarming it and stuff. But it does take a little bit to kind of get over that that hump yeah um i think i've always enjoyed the uncomfortable like making sure people a little uncomfortable and a little confrontational which as i get older i'm like i don't need to do that as much as I <laughs> used to. but doing improv and stuff it was always sort of like especially in new york we would just kind of see how far we could go mm-hmm. like with the you know making people really react and in la it doesn't fly no no god no interesting so uh, i mean when we were all all the new york performers who came out here to to upright citizens brigade theater were like whoa these audiences are really really like anything you mention is kind of like oh no 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 don't go really yeah interesting because you hear that about stand-ups and stand-ups so different for me i feel like with improv any kind of stage performance that's like character based and story based it's like you know there's a character and a story happening here so you're not supposed to judge it you're supposed to see how it plays out yeah but people they don't they Weird. they will they will check out a lot of times as soon as you are a you know an aggressive character or you know interesting yeah yeah is that is that one of the reasons podcasts are, are so necessary for you guys? I mean, because the thing is, like... <laughs> to you, you to apologize? Well, no, just, like, just to be like, if, well, I can find, say whatever the hell I want because, like, places like Earwolf aren't going to stop me. Like, they just, they, they, they seem to embrace it. Like, I think it's more, I mean, those are, it's just a, it's just an audience. It's mm-hmm. a bigger audience. Yeah. It's, it's the modern radio and stuff. But you can so. do so much of what you want to do, though. I mean, I, yeah. the, the shit that they say on Comedy Bang Bang... I get embarrassed for it. I know it's great, but I'm like, yeah. fuck, I would never say that out loud. Yeah, I know. I There's definitely, there's been a couple of comedy bang bangs. I even said this to Ackerman one time. I was like, I feel like the last couple of characters I've done were like on the verge of like racist maybe uh-huh, or uh-huh. <laughs> or just on the verge of just so inappropriate that it wasn't funny and he's like oh i don't remember i think it re- i think you're funny <laughs> he doesn't really worry much but yeah. you know you look at the chat board and some people check out and yeah but that's that's you know that's the audience that's you're- why i couldn't run that for a number of reasons but because i i would be like waiting for somebody to fuck up and say something like I, I would be the one pre-cringing and i would just yeah. ruin the whole atmosphere <laughs> yeah i think if i think if something really bad happened they mm-hmm. would just like stop and edit it out i mean and i kind of say it to the performers like hey you know yeah, what yeah 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 this is not working i'm trying to remember because i think going back into very early seasons of that show there was an episode where somebody one very funny actor in character said dropped an n-bomb mm-hmm. he's not a black gentleman himself right and scott's like it's not that kind of show hey it's not that kind of show and like in character still had to chide him and try and get around it. yeah that's skill that's yeah. some skill. that happened in an improv show one time this uh-huh. guy said you know drop that word and the audience was not on board with it and mm-hmm. he said it but he was he was also kind of stepping outside of the improv a lot mm-hmm. he was kind of like i initiated something and he just basically said like just get to the point but what are we doing here <laughs> and i was like <laughs> and so i just turned the game into how long it would take me to explain anything I was just <laughs> as long-winded as possible giving him no chance to speak because <laughs> i was like man you don't 
don't call me out. Right. Give me two sentences to sort of present this idea to you. Wow. Yeah. So he was having a, I think he was just having a bad night because there's a lot of things, a lot of moves are being made that were kind of expressive of something a little little darker inside. Mm. So I don't know. So it seems to me that you cut your teeth at a time with with the new improv boom, but I'm curious how you got into it. Where what led you there? Um, I I uh, I was a photographer in New York, mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to do comedy, and um, but I kind of would touch you know dip my toe in it and then pull back and be like oh, I can't do this or I didn't have the right. People, I mean, all my friends were funny, and we would do bits and shoot videos and stuff, but I still just couldn't quite figure out what or how I wanted to approach it. Okay. And I was roommates with Rob Corddry, uh-huh. um, and he was like, you're funnier than the actors I'm performing with. You <laughs> should do comedy. I just needed somebody to be like, you should do this. Like, okay. And he had started taking classes there at UCB, and it was literally like the second round of classes they'd ever done. Yeah, I was going to say. Like way back, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and so once I found improv, I, it was just like that was. I was like, "Oh, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. This is what I've always been doing with my friends." Okay, yeah. This is how I always approach, you know, an idea or mm-hmm. life. You mm-hmm. know, and just having someone give you rules or like, okay, so you kind of do this in when you're relaxed. So just get up on stage and here's some guidelines to kind of turn it into a performance. Mm -hmm. And then that genuinely turned into like, all right, here's and while you're performing, you're actually acting. So you've now learned to act. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Is it, is it, I've always wondered if people get, cause they've never gone to like a a big improv school, but are, so you're immediately, you were immediately comfortable with things being codified like that. Just like this is, you do this, you do this. And that's why it's funny, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, no, it's not codified. They were basically, you start off and you learn how not to get in your own way. Okay. Because you're as much as your brain is sort of saying, okay, got to be funny. Mm-hmm. And this other person and I are responsible to make this funny. They're going to say something and I'm going to shoot back with something negative. That's going to stop the progress because then I'm sort of in a position of power because I'm scared, but then we have no scene. Yeah. And no matter how well-meaning people are, they will always make that mistake initially, you know, and you're like, yeah. oh, right, that's, and so that's why it's this thing of yes and. And initially, you know, at the beginning, people are like, you have to kind of like uh, live by that law so hard that people are just making these scenes where the word no is never said. Uh-huh. It's like, well, that's not true. Uh-huh. You All can right. you can say no, but you can be, say yes to the idea of the scene, mm-hmm. and you can build that scene from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was... No, the cool thing was early on at UCB, there was, there was, you know, I learned from Amy Poehler and Matt Walsh and Matt Besser and Ian Roberts and this other instructor, Armando Diaz, mm-hmm. and then Kevin Mullaney, um, Ali Faranakian, who runs the Pitt Theater in okay. um, New York now. They were all very different voices and perspectives on improv and on comedy. Mm-hmm. And that was my favorite thing of having pretty disparate approaches to how this, how to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I benefited immensely from that of not just having sort of like here's because I think that's what they have now is they have the kind of like the school of it. Yeah, yeah. And that that is necessary, I think. Mm-hmm. But it does, and I've always sort of said like, well, if the danger is then you kind of end up with like this is the groundling style this uh-huh. is the second city style yeah i, I always I'm, i've always wondered that <clears throat> pardon me about ucb because you know so much of like the podcasts i listen to are clearly like heavy on ucb people right and there's not i wouldn't say there's one style to it right but it is also a thing i've i feel like i've had to adapt to as to what's like oh this is comedy now i have missed a, a step because i wasn't watching comedy live like mm. legitimately something like listening to comedy bang bang it's like oh fuck well i i now have to adapt my brain to what comedy is now yeah and i i i'm not aware of what comedy is now <laughs> <laughs> i like you know what i mean like i i do the stuff that i like to do and mm-hmm. uh but there's a whole I mean, if you think 
just missing out on comedy bang bang is missing uh-huh. out there's a there's a there's an entire world called youtube yeah that is a whole just a universe of people mm-hmm. that i that are immensely popular and have a lot of sway and and <laughs> and cultural influence that i don't know about yeah you know so that goes back to my daughter is like what is the things that shape you and make that you think is funny right it's kind of baffling to me it's it's a little bit of sort of like i I feel like I'm in Japan trying to figure out what, why everyone's <laughs> obsessed with Hello Kitty or whatever, you know, right, it's like, yeah. because there's that obsession with certain kind of childlike uh, imagery and, and atten- you know, short attention span bursts yeah. and sound bits and stuff. I want so much because there's no way for us to know, but I want so much to know which of those things are going to stick in. Let's say your daughter becomes a performer. Like, what's going to stick in her brain as, like, this is the shit that actually, like, of course she's watching shows and you're saying, yeah, great, I'm glad you're watching. So that's an awesome thing that she's got you endorsing this stuff, you know, and that she still keeps doing it after you endorse it because, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But then there's, I want to know if there's going to be, there's got to be, YouTube's somewhat ephemeral Mm because you might not go and rewatch it, but there's going to be some shit that, you know, you're watching on a loop. Yeah, and it's gonna stick in her brain. I'm curious. Like, she was really into Shane Dawson. Do you know who that is? I don't is? know who that is. He, uh, I don't know what his beginnings were, but he's just sort of another one of these guys who like has the camera pointed on him, and he always says, "Hey guys," <laughs> and then he sort of comments on what happened to him that day. I think he had a pretty uh, difficult childhood, and he was overweight and kind of bullied. So he's a little bit of a, you know, a. a a hero's story okay. that he sort of like came into his own through doing this, through okay. doing a, a video uh, channel and stuff. But now he has his whole thing is like conspiracy theories. Oh boy! But not like he he does like it's sort of like a um, a top ten list of like all these things. Okay, he researches them mm-hmm. and he's like, Whoa. so it's a it's an interesting thing that she's kind of following him from being funny into that. Mm-hmm. But I. I mentioned it because he, I listened to a little bit of it one time and he curses a ton. Uh huh. And this was probably maybe three years ago, maybe uh-huh. two. Um, and I was just like, hey, I don't, I'm not very comfortable with how much he, just, you know, drops the F bomb and, uh-huh. and talks like this and stuff. And she immediately just like, got so scared and started crying. Oh, no. And she was like, please, please, this means so much to me. He's so funny, and I, I feel so happy when I listen to him. And I know that he says bad words, but I don't, I don't listen to the bad words. I listen to what's funny. Yeah. And I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, because I, it, it was one of those moments that, like with the album, like these, these albums, mm-hmm. that, that experience as a kid of ownership yeah of of what's funny and and how much freedom there is and lightness there is in just laughing at something that tickles you mm-hmm. is i think the greatest high i will ever have you know what i mean i mm-hmm. feel like the the greatest highs i've ever had have been the the suppressed dumb bit like laughter moments you have in your friend in class where you're not supposed to laugh but it gets so funny in your brain and you're just like you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh i want her to have those things of course so yeah. i would kind of like all right as long as you know as long as you don't start talking like a drunk sailor <laughs> <laughs> and as long as it means enough to her to actually ask and not go sneak it like that's yeah pretty great yeah and I think it was also just her reaction was so it wasn't kind of like all right I'm gonna turn the water on for dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, yeah. such a visceral kind of like oh what are you my baby. <laughs> it's this weird in between because like the, all I can think of when I think of any YouTube star is immediately all I think is Beatles, but like if the Beatles just literally sat there and talked because there's no other comparison. Right. Because some of them turn into performers. Yeah. Some of them like have some experience and you kind of get to watch them grow and that's interesting. Yeah. But but like blogging as an act is just so weirdly personal with also this there is a veneer it's 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 so complicated yeah. well that's i mean that whole yeah that aspect of the of the internet world where it's it's so private but it's so compartmentalized at the same time mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I, 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 I try as much as I can to, I don't have judgment of it. Yeah. I don't have, um, identification 
yeah with it yeah that's the hard part yeah i think that's a thing of was like i don't i don't i i understand why this speaks to you mm-hmm. it doesn't speak to me yeah and it's you know it's interesting to be kind of in a place where you're like comparable to sort of like 1940s or 50s where it's like rock and roll i don't what is this yeah. sounds like racket 100%. And, to, and to other people it's just like no this makes complete sense yeah and it does make complete sense for the time we're living in mm-hmm. but then then my brain kind of goes to like oh the time we're living in black mirror oh god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? what's interesting to me too is is that you're right there are it is more comparable to the youth youtube is more comparable to to the youth as rock and roll was uh, in the 50s that was not a sentence i apologize what i'm trying to say With is the, we'll edit it together yeah, yeah, yeah. much like how many bang bang does when people of of uh, certain generations came up with stuff like this it's not it's not a clearly defined thing like being mm-hmm. a comedy nerd was a thing for a reason like you kind of either had to hide it or find friends who right. knew about it and then you didn't really bring it up to anybody else because you didn't want to deal with that the blowback or yeah. whatever the fuck it was yeah, yeah or it was 100 percent your thing and you shut the room shut the door and it was your thing to listen yeah. to yeah it was my my thing my thing it was a very kind of like a barometer uh-huh i would just be like you're not into this you're not cool yeah i can't hang out with you yep i was the same boy. yeah 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 <laughs> i felt so good for discovering cheech and chong before anybody else yeah, did yeah. i wasn't even a stoner but i was like i knew about it and wh- i literally remember in seventh grade a kid was like doing a cheech and chong bit and i got pissed off oh, really? i wanted to walk out of the room because it's my thing that's what funny. an asshole <laughs> uh yeah it's 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 this weird because we didn't have on this album cover, a, a, a slow tick of, oh, a billion people have already listened to this album. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. Know? I used to, my, my ex-wife and I used to have this debate a lot about if the Beatles could happen now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was in, God, t- early 2000, you know, mm-hmm. and we were like, is it possible for the, like, could the Beatles happen again? Mm-hmm. I don't. I have no idea. It would right. be really interesting if someone came up on YouTube and became something much bigger than the the launching pad. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, now, if someone is a YouTube star, YouTube claims them as a YouTube star. Yes. You know, they're not just someone who's like, oh, yeah, you should hear this guy's record. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should give him a record deal. Right. You know, you don't think in terms of, like, the Beatles being like, I mean, Brian Epstein is a big character in that, but yeah. you don't think in terms of like, of who was a Capitol Records. I can't remember who put, remember, but... who put them out. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think like Capitol Records presents the Beatles. Mm-hmm. It's just like the Beatles are their thing, their yes. own thing. Right. So it's interesting. Yeah. I hope so. I would love for some, you know, some kid who plays a a jug <laughs> some kid in the ozark who's like an amazing juggist fantastic and then one day there's just a best of record of his best you know yeah. dozen albums that he released jug over. solo <laughs> so good oh my god um is so you can Talk about both of these if you want, or pick one. But if you're going to recommend why to listen to one of these, <laughs> uh, what's a good reason? Let's say you haven't heard the artist, or you, you're not familiar with their album. I don't know. Of the two that yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. You could do either of them. You could pick one. I would, of course, go with Mighty Python. I have a feeling we're... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's just closer to my, my heart and my worldview. Um, yeah, I would just sort of... I would say it, it in keeping with my, you know, pretentious art reference. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, here's, you know, what Eddie Murphy, he's in a bunch of movies. Here's his early stuff when he was a 19 year old. It's funny. It's loud. Mm-hmm. But this other stuff is maybe difficult to figure out. Yeah. And if you are willing to kind of do it, it can be so great. Yeah. You know, uh, I just like that. I like stuff that that's that's a little tougher to digest than, than right. the first viewing i wonder if that listen. happens on youtube like because it feels like click it i fuck this i don't want this click it yeah. until you find the thing that sticks with you yeah rather than I'll, i might suffer through this for a minute and try and figure out if it makes sense or not yeah that's not. A, my my daughter and her friend we went for a vacation uh and we were staying at this place where they had like dvds and like a little shitty you know, dvd playing tv mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and they had a bunch of stuff, and I got Groundhog Day for them. Uh huh. And I was like, let's watch this. And the first 
20 minutes of it. It's pretty boring. Yeah. It's a lot of exposition and mm-hmm. kind of like, who's this? Blah, blah, blah. And and then it starts to kind of go into the, the cool part of it. And I was watching them, and it was interesting that they hung in there. Yeah. You know, because it easily could have been like, nah, nothing. Nah, mm-hmm. Nothing's happened at the three-minute mark. Right, right, right. Here. So <laughs> I think... I think... I think it, the delivery system is a big part of it. Yeah. I've actually been thinking, I have a very tiny little place that is mainly, mainly filled with her hobby of making slime right now. <laughs> it's just disgusting <laughs> everywhere. Awesome. Um, but I was like, I, I would like to get a, a record player again. Cause I have all my mm-hmm. records and just have that around for her to, to find a record and kind of go through the thing of putting it on there and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and just having it, be there yeah because uh, i realized that like music is in our house it was a big thing for me um being a musician and stuff but for whatever reason i, have, I don't play it that much at yeah. my house or or i play it in another room while she's doing something mm-hmm. um yeah i think i might do that i bought one at a thrift store it didn't work that sucks that's a, I found a really nice one yesterday. I almost bought it, but then I realized I already have two, and that would be a dick move. I'm yeah, not, I'm not taking that from somebody. It was a really nice linear one from the '80s with just a couple right. push buttons. Very handsome little yeah. machine. Uh, yeah, because I mean, sometimes I feel like if I if I over talk about isn't it great having a physical thing, it becomes too much of a, just a nostalgia thing. Yeah. But it's actually more a commitment of time and a commitment of just the physicality because mm-hmm. if you sit and stare at a screen and I'm not trying to I sound like a grandpa no matter what I do it's... and I just click mm-hmm. there's no physicality to it there's no I just expended energy and I this imprinted something yeah. on me you know I just got rid of all my DVDs mm-hmm. they were in my basement for 6 years uh-huh. um and I was like there it's all there I don't have a great nostalgia for cracking over a you know a, B, a, a DVD case the worst. <laughs> and sliding it in and mm-hmm. stuff, um, but I do for records, cassettes too. I mm-hmm. wish I slide my bunch of cassettes, but I think I pared that down. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that just the grandpa or not, it it is kind of what what you're familiar with. Yeah, and I'm. You know, I'm sure there'll be the day when my daughter is like, ah, you remember when we had screens mm-hmm. where it wasn't just like our ocular <laughs> screens that we're all sharing and tapping into each other's. <laughs> you, remember, I... you remember in chips where you actually see the chip just under the skin? <laughs> oh my God, it was such, it looked like such a bump. <laughs> You're frightening me. Uh, I, I will say there's a good chance she might pick it up. I went to the American Phonograph Society. They're, they have a meetup once a year in anaheim yeah it's the it's what you imagine yeah, yeah. it smells like dust <laughs> it's a bunch of actual phonographs and a bunch of but there's a little nine-year-old or eight or nine-year-old boy who is obsessed with this cylinder machine mm. so i'm like okay so there's like there's some hope that like this stuff has like it, it must you know it at least elicits curiosity at the at, yeah. at the very least yeah well, that's a good thing yeah yeah totally um, so before I want to promote the special one more time, tell people uh, where you are, et cetera, et cetera. Have you ever taken a photograph since you were a photographer mm-hmm. for an album cover of any kind? Uh, yeah, a few. Yeah. Um, when I was in North Carolina, um, the band scene was sort of, it was right after, uh, Seattle. And mm-hmm. so they're like, Oh, Chapel Hill's going to be yeah, yeah, in yeah. Seattle. So scroll nut zippers, scroll nut zippers fold. and, um, uh, Super Chunk mm-hmm. and Archers of Loaf, and and so they would just see some of my pictures, and it ended up on some singles and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, so I can't remember who, and I did a bunch of band photos, mm-hmm. just like I did their pictures for them. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I can't remember who. Damn it. Eighty-one Mil- Mulberry has some records. Okay. Uh, Geezer Lake, not not big bands, but still the. Doesn't Geezer. matter. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my own band, Bicycle Face. We use a few. Bicycle just... Face, that's a great name. Thanks. What kind of music? It's kind of like, it's a mix of inspired by, like, um, sixties, uh, sort of like the Sonics. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like grungy garage rocky stuff and meat puppets mm-hmm. with camper van beethoven kind of lyrics all right yeah oh my god it's a little absurdist mm-hmm. like even then i was doing kind of comedy but there was like dark comedy too like somebody was like man these lyrics are dark i was like oh yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> but i also love that you didn't uh 
you 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 lived it out in your art and it doesn't sound like you were living it as a person no you, were, you no. weren't just like dripping in sadness i'm a pretty boring person <laughs> <laughs> thankfully that's why i think i perform a lot it's just like, like oh yeah this is a good good venue to kind of work this stuff out and it's true like improv yeah. is the best therapy you are given permission to go in front of people and be insane yeah and say and be other things and i you know going back to the jim carrey thing i was like if you have that need mm-hmm. it's going to come out in one way or the other so much better than you know some of the other expressions people choose uh-huh. to, to execute it <laughs> uh so tell the people uh about the special again when it comes out where they can find it and then where they can find you online okay great here we go <clears throat> uh i'll start with the online so uh on twitter and on instagram i'm the brian husky um and you can find links and information on the special which is called mr neighbor's house mm-hmm. on adult swim june 24th Sunday, June 24th at midnight. Okay. Um, it is, I'm very proud of it. The first one's very funny. And you can watch the very first one uh, on the Adult Swim website to sort of prep up for it. Awesome. Uh, and the links for that are also in my uh, uh, social media. All right. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, this is a, a super ton of fun. And uh, really quickly, again, I rarely promote stuff, but I'm trying to do that lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Jason Klam on Instagram, K-L-A-M-M. Uh, I've been doing this thing where I'm covering all the extra work I did for nine years. Oh, wow. And just posting pictures of it. So I'm calling myself the professional blur. Um, <laughs> and so that's on there. And then go to CelerySoundRecords.com, which as of the time we're speaking has broken but it will be fixed by oh, the time this goes well. up yeah it, it broke today it Things just stopped happen. working yeah um so One zero fell out <laughs> so go there you will find all kinds of comedy records including uh, my re-release of paul dooley's 1961 stand-up album booked solid uh which just came out this week it is still available even though the website's broken you can still get it uh that's about it thank you guys for listening and as always have a good thing Bye. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune into the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. 